Good afternoon, everybody. I hope y'all are doing well. So um, <clears throat> we get a lot of questions on Facebook and I get texts quite often and phone calls, emails about fire separation. So I, hopefully I will help uh, clear some of the some of the confusion up. It's, it's really simple um, once you dig into it. So um, that being said, I will, uh, like she said, I've got my uh, telephone number and email here. So if y'all need to get a contact with me, a hold of me, text me, email me. Uh, I know a lot of y'all are on Facebook. Y'all can uh, get in touch with me through Facebook or on Messenger. So any of those avenues, feel free to get a hold of me. So with that, we will get started. Um, and this, <clears throat> we're going to try to get through everything. We may not finish. There's about 120 slides. So uh, hopefully we can get through all of them. The inspector shall report as deficient the absence of or deficiencies in fire separation between the garage and the living space and between the garage and its attic. <clears throat> So the inspector shall report as deficient a solid wood door that's a solid wood door less than one and three eighths inches in thickness, a solid or honeycomb core steel door less than one and three eighths inches, or a 20 minute fire rated door between the residence and an attached garage. So it has to meet one of those three requirements, a solid wood door that's one and three eighths inch thick all the way through, a steel covered door that's one and three eighths inch, or if it has a label on it, it will meet those requirements. And I've got some examples of the labeling that you can look for. Um, <clears throat> other openings between the garage and residence shall be equipped with solid wood doors, not than less than one and three eighths inch, so on and so forth. So any, at any rate, it's not just the uh, door that goes from garage to house, but if you have, like the other day, I had a workout room that was connected to a garage that was air conditioned and that was the only access into there. So that has to have the self-closing device. Anything that separates the garage from habitable space has to have this uh, door and it has to be self-closing. Uh, the inspector shall report as deficient the absence of fire blocking at the attic penetration of the chimney flue where accessible. And we're going over the SOPs. We'll get into a little more detail on this in a little while. Draft stopping and fire blocking are typically in concealed areas. While you might see and address this in framing inspections, you're not gonna see a lot of this during a final inspection. So we're, what we're concentrating on today mostly has to do with separation between garage and attic and the garage and house. And then we hopefully will get to townhomes and two family dwellings. Most of the well, any information provided from the IRC comes out of chapter three. Uh, so it's 302. You need to become very familiar with the, uh, with chapter, with section 302, sorry. Um, that is where your fire separation is for finished construction. There are other areas that you need to look at if you're doing framing inspections. So a dwelling unit, that's a single unit providing complete independent living facilities for one or more persons, including permanent provisions for living, sleeping, eating, cooking, and sanitation. It's just a house, a single family house. It's not a duplex, it's not a townhome, it's not a condo, none of that. Uh, just a, a single freestanding house. All right, report as deficient the absence of or 
at the absence of or deficiencies in fire separation between the garage and living space and between the garage and its attic. Openings from a private garage directly into a room used for sleeping purposes shall not be permitted. I've come across this twice in the last two weeks, which is kind of weird because it's very rare that I come across this, but you cannot have a bedroom that marries up to a garage. Now, I was talking to some inspectors the other day and it, the, the question came up, what if there's a closet in between? In some definitions, the closet is considered to be part of the bedroom. So I would consider that opening directly up to a bedroom. Um, you're reported to, you're required to report it. It's up to the client if they want to heed your advice. So report it, give them the ups and downs of having it directly attached to the garage and go on. So here's a couple of examples. Uh, so the photo on the right or the image on the right, rather, they converted that garage. They wanted another bedroom. So they added a bedroom and they put a wall right down the middle of the garage, put a door in there. You can't do that. It can be a living room. It can be a workout room. It can be an arts and craft room. It cannot be intended for sleeping. Um, there are a couple of different uh, entities, underwriting laboratories and Warnock Hersey. They provide uh, documentation for 20 minute rated doors. <clears throat> and here's a couple of examples. The one on the right, obviously you can read it. It's a listed 20 minute fire rated door. So if you see that on the door and it's gonna be on the, on the edge of the door, see on the left, that's where you will find that. And I've seen it stapled on and I've seen it nailed on. Um, if I come across one and it's painted, I just take a picture of it and put it in report and say, hey, it was painted over. It looks like it's a rated door. You might see it on the top. 20 minute, that 20M, fire 20M, that means it's a 20 minute fire rated door. Problem is somebody paints that, you'll never know it. So uh, a lot of times I will put in the report that the door appeared to meet the requirements. However, there were no labeling. There was no labeling to confirm something to that effect. Is this a 20 minute fire rated door? Well, it's obviously not solid wood. It's not metal covered. And the biggest issue is they cut a hole in it. If it was ever rated and they cut a hole in it for the dogs and cats, it's no longer rated, it's compromised. But you can see how thin it is right here. That's certainly not an inch and three eighths. <clears throat> and it has to be an inch and three eighths for the entire surface of the door. Any recesses that's less than one and three eighths violates it. This is some type of composite, not really a fiberglass, but a man-made product. Even if it was a flat surface door, I would not consider that a solid wood door. This one is certainly not, it's got cardboard inside. Now that's an older home. That's what we, see, we would see in those types of homes all the time. Uh, that will burn very quickly. 
<clears throat> and plus the door's damaged anyway, so it needs to be replaced. So here's a couple of canned comments. Doors provided between the house and garage, and I just use the same wording as the SOP has, and that comes directly from the IRC. So then I will finish the sentence with either the provided door did not appear to meet these requirements. Or like I said earlier, the door appeared to meet these requirements. However, no labels or documents were provided to confirm. Here's another one from a different inspector. It's a little, it's, it pretty much says the same thing, uh, but a little bit different. The bottom part is, is what has mostly changed. Note that this does not preclude this door from being a listed fire rated door. It simply was not labeled and did not meet the criteria stipulated by the standards of practice. So in other words, it might be, but I can't verify it. <clears throat> so I disclaim those doors quite often. Does glazing compromise fire separation? More than likely, yes. I have not seen a double pane glass in a door that is fire rated. They may make one. I have not seen it. Um, so there's a very good chance that if you see glass in a door between a house and garage, that it is, does not meet the requirements. These two doors wouldn't meet the requirements anyway, even if they didn't have the glass. You got a doggy door in the left one, and the one on the right, you can see it's very thin. That's an older home. You can tell by that lovely wallpaper. Or, well, that's pegboard, sorry. But you can tell that door is very thin. That's probably quarter inch plywood panels in between the framing. So at any rate, neither one of those doors would meet the requirements. This is what it would have to look like. Something similar to this etching. It will look similar to etching for just like a uh, window with tempered glass, but this one will say something to the effect of fire rated. So if you see glass in that door, go check it. And it probably is etched because glass in the door has to be safety glass. Let's see what the etching says. It's probably gonna say tempered. It will likely not say fire resistant. So for the purposes of a trek report, if the door and window are not labeled, it's not fire rated. <clears throat> there are different ways to achieve the fire rating in that glass. There's wire mesh, which is very dangerous because if you try to break through it and crawl through it, you'll cut yourself up. Um, liquid sodium silicate, ceramic glass, and borosilicate, which once again, just looking at it, you're not gonna know. So if it doesn't have the label, then it's not. All right, this was a change in 2018. Uh, the requirement to have a self-closing door has been around for several years. They added in 2018 that it can be a magnetic device <clears throat> that when it's hooked to the fire alarm system and once that system detects smoke or fire then the magnet releases and the door closes that way you can hold it open they've used these or, or the magnet will hold it open for you and then there's a there's a manual release also they've used these in uh 
commercial and industrial for years, they've just added them to, uh, they've approved them for residential use. I haven't seen one yet. Everyone I see either has spring-loaded hinges or it has the mechanical arm up top, hydraulic. Why self-closing? Uh, the requirement was introduced in the 2012 IRC and it's intended that the door return to a closed position. Uh, it's, it's related to concerns of increased fuel loads in garages, potential for fire and the related toxic combustion by products migrating into the dwelling unit to prevent carbon monoxide from the exhaust vehicles. Uh, we've got all these auto starting cars now, you click your keys and it starts. So you wanna make sure that door is closed. Um, maintaining a closed door between the garage and residence has been in place to supplement the safeguards that required smoke alarms and carbon monoxide detectors. All right, duct penetration. Ducts in the garage and ducts penetrating walls or ceilings separating the dwelling from the garage shall be constructed a minimum 26 gauge <clears throat> or other approved material. Uh, no openings into the garage. And we're going to get back to doors and we'll get to separate and gypsum, all that here shortly. So uh, photo on the left, that is a dryer exhaust. So it comes out of the interior, goes down the wall and outside. That's fine. That's 26 gauge. That's typically what you're looking for for 26 gauge, dryer exhaust, B-vent, something like that. The one on the right, that's flexible duct. That has no fire separation properties at all. So what happens is it start, the fire starts in, the duct burns through, then you have an, a hole in the wall, either into the attic or into the living space. I'm assuming that's into the attic, just because I, I can't imagine a duct just running into the living space, but uh, that was not my picture, but you get the drift. You can't have flexible duct like that. You cannot have a duct that terminates and ends into, so into a garage. You can't, you can't air condition a garage, in other words. Unless you take the garage doors out, and then it's not a garage anymore. All right, <clears throat> I think this was from an Austin, Austin area inspector. So this is in the garage. You got your garage door to, to the left. So, um, so they have put two openings up into the attic. So there's free movement of air or fire or smoke or carbon or whatever from garage to attic. So there's two things that they should have done. They should have built walls around the water heaters with access doors for service, removal, replacement. And then you draw air from the attic. Or they should have never put those tubes in. Uh, one way or the other, you can't go halfway because then you compromise your fire separation between garage and attic. All right, garage dwelling to the garage fire separation. The garage shall be separated as required by table 3026. 3026 is very important. I would suggest getting a hold of that table through an electronic device and saving it on your phone, your tablet, somewhere where you can refer back to it. Because that table right here 
will be more pertinent when it comes to fire separation than anything in, in finished construction. <clears throat> so we're going to go over several of these. We're going to go, well, we're going to go over all of them and explain them from red attics, not less than half inch gypsum board or equivalent applied to the garage side. <clears throat> so if there's attic space above, the ceiling has to have half inch gypsum. It does not have to be type X if there is attic space above. And that, that chart will come up several times. So don't think I skipped the other three. Walls between garage and residence shall have half inch gypsum. What about plumbing manifolds, plumbing pipes, vent pipes, ducts, washing machine boxes, and other things? <clears throat> so plumbing manifolds, that's a plastic cover. It's not sealed up. It's very loose fitting against the wall. There's gaps in there. And we will talk about annular spaces further down in this presentation, but that cover does not meet the fire separation qualities. Eighth inch plastic doesn't meet the equivalent of half inch gypsum. The one on the right, they took more or less a cabinet door and made it to fit that. It's solid wood, it's thick, I don't know what kind of wood it is, it's been painted. So my comment simply was that it could not be verified that this cover met fire separation requirements. The other thing is most of the time when you have a cabinet door like that, it's not gonna be tightly sealed around the edges. So you still have an annular space around it that hasn't been filled, it hasn't been caulked, it hasn't been sealed up. This is a cover from Access Frame and Fire. It is rated to go in that wall. I think I've seen two of them. They're about four or $500 just for the product. That's not installation. That can be provided in lieu of this plastic cover. But most builders don't know about them or if they do, they don't wanna spend that extra money. Bathtub plumbing access from garage to not habitable space because it's not air conditioned, but it breaches that wall. There's not half inch gypsum on the garage side anymore. So once again, if you look on the picture on the right, the door's closed and you can see the gap here. They do make metal covers. They do make metal plumbing access covers, and I've seen a few of them, um, and that would be, in my opinion, sufficient. Washing machine connections. The one on the left obviously is wide open. The one on the right is plastic. <clears throat> Most newer construction, I mean, it's extremely rare that they're putting these out there anyway. So this is something that you would note in older homes. And once again, it's, it's something you're required to report on. The buyer, the seller, they're not required to address it. It's left up to them. Provide the information to them and let them make the decision. The wall on the right, or excuse me, on the left, the right wall on the left picture, it had drywall on it and they took it off. And the issue is 
this area right here. This was a single story home. So this wasn't required to have gypsum on it. There are instances where this would be required and we'll get to that, but there's an opening right there. So that plane does not go all the way across. If they would have left the drywall onto this stud, it would have been fine. <clears throat> Door's not self-closing either. The one on the right, seller had a boat and his brakes didn't work well. So he busted up the drywall. That's obviously habitable space on the other side because it's got insulation in it. So anytime you see that damage on a wall adjacent to the living space, that needs to be noted. Habitable space, it's insulated. Where is the gypsum board? How about electric panels and boxes? Some will say that this cannot be in that wall between the house and garage. If that was the case, we wouldn't have to, we would not be permitted to have a switch or a receptacle in a garage wall adjacent to the house, or you wouldn't have be able to have a receptacle in a garage ceiling, the way I look at it. Also, I have a, <clears throat> an email from ICC that in their opinion, it can be in this wall. Now, most manufacturers say this cannot be in a fire rated wall. My interpretation is that this is a fire separation wall. What they are getting at is it cannot be in a fire rated wall, such as a one hour wall between in a two family dwelling or a two hour wall in a townhouse. Now, once again, like I said in the earlier presentation, this is one of those gray areas where you have to make that decision yourself, whether you want to write this up, leave it alone. I have chose not to make this an issue because I have documentation that I can back myself up with. This is the technical opinion from ICC. This was an email that I got from them a couple of years ago. 302.6 does not appear to prohibit a steel panel board cabinet in a separation wall between the garage and the living space. And you see ICC opinion called it a separation wall. 302 5.2 allows 26 gauge steel ducts to pass through the wall and the panel board cabinet is much heavier steel than 26 gauge. So there's the technical opinion from them. Like I said, you have to make up your mind if you want to agree with that, disagree, but have something that you can use as documentation to support your opinion. All right, other penetrations. <clears throat> Penetrations through the separation requirement in section 3026 shall be protected as required by section 30211 item four. At openings around vents, pipes, ducts, cables, and wires at ceiling and floor level with an approved material to resist the free passage of flame and products of combustion, the material filling this annular space shall not be required to meet the ASTM E136 requirements. What in the heck does that mean? That means that anything penetrating that wall has to be sealed up around the edges. There can't be gaps. So you have a water heater <clears throat> in the garage and the water lines go up and through the wall. The space left around those pipes between the pipe and the drywall has to be filled, but it does not have to meet any 
specific requirement of ASTM 136. That is a fire rating and it's saying it does not have to meet it. So in other words, it doesn't have to be fire rated caulk. It can be painter's caulk. But the bottom line is there can't be a gap. And here it kind of explains this test method. This test method uses a furnace to expose building materials to a temperature of 750 degrees until failure occurs or for at least 30 minutes. <clears throat> While actual building fire exposure conditions are not duplicated, this test method will assist in indicating those materials which do not act to aid combustion or add appreciable heat to an ambient fire. So once again, this is how they test it, but it does not have to meet that requirement. It says right here, shall not be required to meet that requirement. So that means you can use caulk. Does not have to be red, orange, anything like that. Material, caulk, et cetera, used to fill annular spaces around the wall penetrations do not have to meet the fire separation requirements. It's just that the you can't have free passage of air. So like these up here, they put the, I'm gonna say this word wrong, I do every time, escuchan, escuchan or whatever it is. They put that up there, but then you got this big space. That had to be filled in and then this put on. This to me just provides a pretty cover, just trim, that's all it is. This one down here, a little bit different. This one would be hard to correct. I mean, you could fill all this in, but then what about the gaps here? I'm sure y'all seen this where they don't sheetrock down here. They don't put any drywall on the bottom half. They built the platform before they put the drywall in. So the drywall guy comes down to this and stops. So there's free passage down into there to an open wall. So I note that, I mean, really to fix it, they have to take the water heaters off that platform and do something about it. But Anyway, that's not my problem. <clears throat> All right, these guys here, we kind of touched on it just a minute ago when I was talking about the panel. These can go in the wall and they can go in a garage ceiling. They are not fire rated. Most electrical equipment is not fire rated. You can find fire rated equipment, but most of it is not stamped. And the best reasoning that I could find is that they don't want to get into the fire rating business. They don't want to get into the business of, yeah, this can go here, this can go here, it can't go here. So the biggest deal is once they put it in there, it's supposed to be sealed around the edges and not a quarter inch gap, not an eighth inch gap. It's supposed to be sealed. All annular spaces through penetration shall be sealed. We'll skip that one. Here's some question and answers from the ICC website. Are membrane penetrations other than the ones specifically mentioned in section 30211 item four allowed in the ceiling separating the garage from a habitable room above? 
Section th this section requires all other penetrations to be protected in accordance with 30211 item four, even though item four specifically mentions only vents, pipes, ducts, cables, and wires. Other penetrations are allowed to be provided. The annular spaces around the penetration is fire blocked with an approved material to resist the free passage. In other words, anything that goes through that wall will have to be sealed around the edges. Does the 2018 IRC require that electrical outlet boxes on the garage side of a common wall separating the dwelling and its garage be protected or fire blocked? No. The IRC does not contain requirements for protection at electrical outlet box penetrations in the common wall separating the dwelling unit. Other than what we said several times is the annular space around it has to be filled, has to be caulked. <clears throat> Where the wall separating the dwelling and the garage extends to the roof is additional protection required at the garage ceiling. No, except that protection is required at the garage ceiling where a room is located above the garage. Ed, and we'll get into that. So what are they saying here? So the wall can go from the bottom of the garage all the way up to the underside of the roof, as in the left image right here, or you can provide fire separation along the wall and ceiling. Either way is fine. If you go all the way up to the underside of the roof on this wall, that plane, then your roof, then your ceiling can be open. You can do both if you want, but you have to do either all the way continuous up that plane or up and across the ceiling. Are there any questions about that? We nope. don't have any questions about that specifically, but since you stopped, let me um, ask a couple of the, the previous mm -hmm. ones. Is that okay? Um, yep. It says, can you touch on the issues with a dog or plenum that penetrates a garage ceiling such as in the air handler enclosure? Are you, I'm assuming they are talking about maybe an air uh, furnace that's installed in a garage and I've got some photos on that down the line. If that doesn't address it, uh, re-ask the question uh, later, whoever asked that question. Okay, perfect. Um, I think that's all for now. Okay. <clears throat> now this is from the NEC. Gaps around boxes with flush type covers that are recessed in non-combustible surfaces like plaster drywall, plasterboard, so on and so forth, must be repaired so there's no gap greater than eight in, eighth inch. Now, keep in mind, this is anywhere throughout the construction, not just the garage. This is anywhere. The garage, there's no gap. Everywhere else is eighth inch. Um, we just got a couple questions after you <laughs> asked the other, so let me just ask really quick. One of them sure. says, what about the ladders to attic access need to be sealed? I will get to that. Okay, next one. What about the gap at the base of the wall where they leave off the baseboards? So, so no, there is a gap between concrete and wall. So as long as the uh, gypsum covers at least part of that two by four. In other words, as long as there's not a gap 
then that's fine. There can be a gap between the bottom of the drywall and the top of the concrete, but there can't be, so in other words, you shouldn't be able to stick a pin or a screwdriver or something between the two by four and the um, gypsum. But yeah, that, that little gap's fine. Okay, um, uh, well, I guess you touched on that. Um, as I said, I'll just send you the others that we didn't get to. Okay. All right. okay. All right, not less than half inch gypsum border equivalent applied to the garage side. <clears throat> no openings, vents, et cetera, in the garage ceiling. That says from red, from res oh, okay, never mind. Sorry, I can't read my own stuff. So we're talking about from garage to attic. So somebody just asked about attic stairs. They do have to be trimmed and sealed right here that's that would be if there was if there were gaps there you go in there and they just throw this up and they don't put anything here they don't caulk around it they don't seal it that's an annular space that was not filled so yes it has to be filled <clears throat> i think somebody just asked that question just a few minutes ago in the garage the attic entrance ladder has to be rated to be in the garage in other words it has to have a label on it Here's three examples here. There's another one that says Drycon on it. Uh, it's a big white label, um, but it has to have that label. If it doesn't have that label, it's like that door or the glass between the garage and the house. If it doesn't have the label, it's not rated. So you have to have a label on that um, attic entrance. And a lot of times you'll see them peeling off. So it may be wise just to take a picture of that and put it in the report as information stating that, hey, this was an approved entrance, the label's coming off, or just something short for future reference, not only for you, but for the um, for your client. So when they get ready to sell it, say they hauled a bunch of stuff up there and they knocked the label off after they move in, and then they had to move in a year. There's proof in your report that it was an approved ladder when you were there. Because these, if you have to replace one of these, they are not cheap. Most of the time they're special order. I haven't seen one at Home Depot or Lowe's or anything. So this one probably doesn't have any fire separation properties. There's obviously not a label on it. So I wrote it up. That one's pretty simple. No label. No rating. This one may have been at one point, but now they have three grills in it. I'm assuming they were wanting to let the heat out of the garage and up through the attic, but you just compromised your fire separation between your garage and attic. And here's uh, another example. Somebody asked a while ago if they had to be sealed and trimmed. This one's not trimmed. There's open spaces right there you can visibly see on both sides. So they could caulk it, seal it. It doesn't have to have trim. It makes it look nicer. This one, we've all seen this where the springs are wore out. It's hanging down. That's obviously a wide open to the attic. So if that's not sealed, 
that ladder probably needs to be replaced. Now I see a lot of people that will put latches on those where you push it up, slide the latch over and it holds it in place. Um, <clears throat> a fire rated entrance is not required interior between livable space and attic. Just throw that in there. Um, there have been instances where I've seen inspectors call that out, but it is not a requirement. No requirement for fire separation between the livable space and attic. This one, we're just gonna suck the fire up in there until the fan quits, and then it's gonna be free passage, create the chimney effect. So obviously write stuff up like this. This little lady here, she's praying that the garage doesn't catch on fire. <laughs> There's a quick question here. Um, it says in the garage area about the hatch cover, is it the same situation? You were just talking about the attic entrances. Say that again. Um, yeah, it says in the garage area about the hatch cover, is is it the same situation? Oh, okay. In so some if houses, you have a, there's if you a, have a scuttle hole. Okay, so yes, yeah, so a scuttle hole is the same thing. So it, it should be sealed up. It should sit on there nicely. There shouldn't be any gaps around it. And it should be half inch gypsum board, just like the ceiling. Um, <clears throat> The, the trim around it has to be securely fastened, has to be sealed up. There, there can't be any gaps around it. And a lot of times, I'm sure everybody else finds it too, we find that, the, that it's been opened and closed several times and the corner of the drywall will be busted off. So that is uh, definitely an issue. That's an opening to the attic. So yes, the, the scuttle hole has to be a minimum half inch drywall and tight fitting. The other thing in this image too, you see you've got here, you've got a this is condition space, condition space. Now, I don't think this is my photo. So they may have disabled the garage door. So this may not be considered a garage anymore, but it was at one point and they air conditioned it. So you can't have these air conditioner vents coming in here either. A lot of times when we find the uh, air conditioner vents, it's a man cave, which I understand. Or a lot of times the model homes, that's where their offices were. And they had it, had air conditioning and heating in there. And then normally they will take that out when they sell the house. But I have found on occasion where they leave them. That's a violation. You cannot have a duct coming into here. Even though it's closed, it's not sealed up. You cannot run a supply vent into the garage. Damaged ceiling, somebody hit it with something, there's no telling. This up here, this is a piece of, it's more or less cardboard, thick cardboard that they nailed up here. There was likely a hole there, but all these gaps around here, those are all violations. That's free passage into the attic. You cannot have free passage into the attic from the garage. All that has to be filled in. This probably needs to come down and then put actual gypsum up there. All right, so just to review, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of switch gears here for just a second, but to review, what we've gone over is the door between house and garage has to be one and three eighths inch thick. 
and then has to be self-closing, or it could be a fire rated door, has to be self-closing. The wall separating habitable space and garage, the garage side must be covered with half inch gypsum. And then from garage to attic, the ceiling in the garage has to be covered with half inch gypsum. We have not talked about type X yet. So I think this might be what somebody was asking about earlier with uh, duct coming into the garage maybe. So this is the same house. This is inside the house. This is a breakfast room. Same door, you come out here and there's their furnace. So this down here was in pretty poor shape. So there was free passage through there. So it was actually sucking air from the garage back into that. You're not supposed to get return air from your garage. You've got a doggy door in the door here. So that door is no good anymore. It was, hang on. Yep, that's looking up into the attic from here. So they either have to seal that ceiling off up here to provide separation between garage and attic, or you have to put a solid wood door on here to provide fire separation at the door opening, one of the two. So when you have the open ceiling up there, this door now needs the same requirements as this door because your separation has to either happen at this door opening or at the ceiling. So if the ceiling's wide open, you got free passage of fire, carbon monoxide, fumes, smoke, so on and so forth. The other issue is here's your <clears throat> return with the doggy door there, potential of air coming in right through there. And it also compromises the separation once again, because this floor was not a rated, it was just thin plywood, it was water damaged, it was rotten. So free passage from here and up through here, out the door. Even though there's a door on there, that door is not rated. So this is older installation. They very rarely do this in new construction anymore, but, um, and this is probably why, because there were so many issues with the, the way it was done. around garage door openers. That little hole technically compromises the fire separation. Would I call it? Maybe, probably not. That's pretty teeny tiny. This, definitely. I mean, that's a wide opening. There's a ceiling joist there, there's a ceiling joist there, and there was one up here. So you got wide open spaces there. Now, technically that could just be caulked, but it would be hard to fill all that. But no openings between garage and attic space. That's a violation. And here's kind of the similar situation what we were just talking about. The ceiling's open. You can see it used to have drywall. It probably got water damage. You can see the water damage in the ceiling. I mean in the roof, under, underside of the roof. It may have been from this galvanized too, but they tore the ceiling out. Now that they tore the ceiling out, you've got free passage from garage to attic space. That's a violation. Same thing here. That's what this guy's designed for. Should have been slid up, secured in place where it provides separation. <clears throat> what I like to see with this, and I very rarely see it, is that they actually caulk once they get it up there, because it's going to be, it's not going to sit flush with that. They, they jam a nail or a screw or something in the side of it. 
that really needs to be secured to the ceiling somehow and sealed. Uh, very rarely see it sealed. If it's secured, it's decent, but not 100% accurate. So any free passage between garage and attic is incorrect. <clears throat> All right. You need separation from habitable rooms above the garage. This is where the 5 8 inch type X gypsum board comes in. So if you have a garage in a two story with a bedroom, living room, any habitable space above the garage has to be 5 8 inch thick and it has to be type X. Now, if there's if there's not a hole in it, if there's no way to see how thick it is, you don't know. So you really can't report on anything unless it's compromised. Um, you can disclaim that. I was unable to verify what type of gypsum was put on the garage ceiling, uh, but you really, you can't see how thick the gypsum board is on the wall either. So if you're gonna disclaim the ceiling, you need to disclaim the wall because they do make quarter inch gypsum. So, um, the biggest issue is looking for holes in it or openings. They make it in all kinds of thicknesses. So we've got uh, <clears throat> gypsum board missing here. This was uh, a garage that they decided they wanted to convert the attic. And the attic conversion up in the top was great, but you don't have any prior separation here or uh, you don't have any gypsum. So you've got to have 5 8 inch gypsum on this ceiling. And we'll find out in a few slides, these walls have to have gypsum on them too. Even though this was exterior, these are exterior walls, they have to have gypsum, gypsum as well because you have habitable space above. And we'll talk about why. Breezeways. The one on the right is pretty well sealed up. Once again, they filled the annular spaces. They use spray foam. Remember the IRC reference said it does not have to meet the ASTME 136 requirements, so spray foam would do it. You're, you're more or less draft stopping at this point. The one on the left, you can obviously see a fire starts in there. Depending on what's on the other end, that fire could create a chimney effect and be up in the attic in seconds. So always note, Openings and breezeways. Now, if the garage ceiling was covered with gypsum and there was a good, uh, there were no violations in it, then the breezeway can be open. All right. So to review, the 5 8 inch is only required on a garage ceiling when there is habitable space above. If it's attic space above, just regular half inch gypsum. All right, structure supporting floor ceiling assemblies used for separation required by this section. Not less than half inch gypsum border equivalent. It took me years to understand what that meant and I finally figured it out. So what that means is, <clears throat> Garage wall supporting a ceiling with livable space 
be covered with half inch gypsum border equivalent. This means that there should be no, there shall not be any bare walls in a garage with livable habitable space, habitable space above. And why is this? So the studs remain in contact and do not collapse. You want to keep the fire off of the studs as long as possible. So we'll go back to that photo right here. So there's livable space above. These walls are required to have gypsum on them now. All exterior walls, every wall in that garage has to be covered with gypsum. The reasoning is it's not to keep fire from going up through that wall because you've got a seal, a top seal here that's two, two two by fours. It's not gonna burn through those two two by fours. The reasoning is with the gypsum board covering this, it prevents the studs from catching on fire or it keeps them from catching on fire for a, uh, it takes longer for them to burn. It takes longer for the fire to get to the studs. So the studs will remain intact and their integrity won't be compromised for a lot longer time if they're covered. If they're open, the fire gets to them immediately. They burn, the integrity's gone, the ceiling, possibly the building collapses. That's the reasoning for putting gypsum on these walls when there's habitable space above. It's not to prevent fire from going up in that wall. It's to prevent collapse. So on this house, this is attic space above the garage. So this wall has to have gypsum on the left side of the garage because this is all habitable space. The back wall and the right wall require nothing. This is attic space. The ceiling, half inch gypsum. This one, you've got habitable, spa habitable space above the garage. So that one is adjacent to the habitable space over here. So it requires gypsum. Five eighths inch in the ceiling because you've got livable space. The back wall over here, that was the kitchen behind it. That's got to be covered. Technically this side over here on the far left and the back of the one car garage would not have to be covered because this is attic space above. So you could have 5 8 inch gypsum type X over here, half inch on the ceiling here, and open walls on this one car because it's attic space above. I know it seems confusing, but it's very simple. Half inch on the walls adjacent to livable space, half inch on the ceiling to attics, 5 8 inch when habitable space is above. Sorry guys, my finger hit a button and I didn't even realize I was touching the computer. And then if there's livable space above, then the walls have to be covered as well. Kenya, do you have any questions? We do have a couple. Um, this one says, I often see multiple holes, small gaps in the garage ceiling fixtures, um, light and door opener re receptacle. Um, they're small, but often several holes in the ceiling to attic between the two fixtures. I write them up, correct? Yes. 
Any openings between garage and attic, you should note as a deficiency, unless it's a detached garage, obviously, but <clears throat> that's a different story. But yes, if you, I mean, you'll see where people will want to hang bikes and they keep missing the ceiling joist and there's nine holes there that are a quarter inch wide. Technically that's a violation. It's simple to fix. You go get some caulk and you just squirt caulk in each hole. It's easy. Um, another one from when you were talking about the vents in the garage. Um, in some houses, there is an air vent because of swamp cooler was installed to cool the garage. So there is a vent with grill and goes up to the swamp cooler. Is this permitted? If it if it if it goes through if it penetrates that fire separation ceiling or fire separation wall, yes, it's a violation. If it is a swamp cooler sitting in there just to circulate in there and it doesn't penetrate any walls then it can sit in there, but it cannot penetrate any of the fire separation walls or ceilings. Okay, and I have a couple of people asking if um, the presentation will be shared. So yes, it will be shared later on, um, probably next week. All right, cool. Thank you. All right, so this is an upstairs closet. They um, they converted a little bit of attic space to more storage. So the ducts are there. They sealed around the ducts. There's no requirement for fire separation between the livable space and the attic space. Now, obviously, energy codes come into effect here. You're probably losing some energy there, and that's simply what I stated that it was done after the fact in a non-professional manner, and. The likelihood of anybody doing anything about this is is probably pretty minimal. They want more storage space. Uh, the other thing I noted too, if you look close on that on the right, they crushed some of those ducts, so they've restricted airflow. But there is no, there's not a violation here as far as fire separation. Uh, and I've been asked this several times. That's why I've thrown these slides in here. That there's no violation between. There's no requirement for separation between the livable space and attic as far as fire separation goes it's energy is what you're looking at and i mean and that's pretty much going to be taken care of somebody knocks a hole in the ceiling to the attic they're going to repair it it may not look right but they're going to repair it uh they don't want hot air coming out of there they don't want to be losing energy that's they're going to take care of stuff like that so very rarely would you would you see an opening anyway <clears throat> All right, garages not less garages located less than three feet from a dwelling unit on the same lot. Not less than half inch gypsum board applied to the interior side of the walls that are within this area. So you got a garage right next to it. It more or less has to meet the same requirements as if it was adjacent, if it was a common wall. So in other words, you don't want that wall to burn straight through and catch the house on fire. So you have to slow the progression of fire when it's three feet or less. Um, these are freestanding homes. They're not townhomes. They're not condos. They're not two family dwellings. These are freestanding homes. There are requirements for fire separation on these as well. Uh, it would be very similar to the three foot rule that we just talked about because their garages meet up here and here. They're next to each other. Their garage is right there. So I think I've got an even closer one. Yeah, this one here. 
And yes, I'm fat. I couldn't fit in there. So that right there requires separation. Uh, there cannot be any soffit vents on this house because the house next door catches fire and the fire goes right into the soffit vent into the attic. So what did they do? They added these, these are intake vents designed to go on the slope of the roof. Uh, there's different ones. This just happened to be the one that that builder used. Thank God for drones, because that was a three-story house. But it goes in there and goes out the ridge vent. And there were several of them. I just got pictures of those three there. But there were a lot of them on that roof, so. Um, the biggest issue is if you see a house that close together or that close together, you should not see any vents in this soffit here. They need to use some type of deck air vent. <clears throat> All right, floor assemblies that are not required elsewhere in this code to be fire resistant rated shall be provided half inch gypsum wallboard membrane, five eighths inch wood structure panel membrane or equivalent on the underside of the floor framing member. Penetrations or openings for ducts, vents, electrical outlets, lighting devices, luminaires, wires, speakers, drainage, piping, and similar openings or penetrations shall be permitted. So we're talking about protection of floors which would be a two-story, three-story, four-story, whatever. You have, there's no requirement of fire protection of the ceiling, it's the floor. So it's the second story floor that we're talking about, for instance. The underside of that floor has to be covered with half inch gypsum or 5 eighths inch wood structural panel membrane. <clears throat> there is an exception we'll get to. You can put lights in it, ducts, vents, supply vents for your AC, speakers. You can pretty much do anything you want. And I mean, face it, you have to air condition the house, you have to light the house. So <clears throat> if there's an automatic sprinkler system, then typically your fire separation requirements are cut in half. The other exception is floor assemblies located directly over a crawl space not intended for storage or for installation of fuel fired or electric powered heating appliances. In other words, if you have a crawl space, you don't have to put gypsum on the underside unless you have some type of furnace underneath. And then you have to cover a certain percentage of it, a certain area in conjunction with that furnace. But I mean, let's face it, there's Unless other parts of the state are different, I've seen one furnace in a crawl space. And I don't know why they put it in there anyway, because it was dirty, dirty, dirty. It seemed really stupid. All right. <clears throat> Another exception, the aggregate area of the unprotected proportions does not exceed 80 square feet per story. So the, what I could think of on this would be a, maybe a beach house with one of those little storage areas underneath, a small closet, uh, that would not be required to have it. 
or if the entire perimeter was provided protection. In other words, there were no openings to it. Another exception will be wood floor assemblies using dimensional lumber or structural composite lumber equal or greater than two inch by 10 inch nominal dimension or other approved floor assemblies demonstrating equivalent fire performance. So what that means is you could have an open ceiling if you use two by 10 ceiling joist or larger. And the idea there is a two by 10 takes a lot longer to burn than a two by six. So if you had a two by six up there it would burn quick or quicker than a two by 10. And it goes back to the reasoning of it will take longer to collapse. So if you have open an open ceiling where you can see the ceiling joist and you could say it had a wood floor of one by six planks on the floor up top or whatever, whatever the, the flooring is or plywood with carpet over, it doesn't matter. If the ceiling joist are at least two by 10, then it can be open. And once again, it's so if they catch fire, if the fire starts in there, it will take a longer time to burn and that floor will not collapse. And most of these exceptions we've, I rarely see. I don't know that I've ever seen the exception where it was an open floor. The one, well, I take that back. I think it was a log cabin uh, where it could be open. <clears throat> All right, enclosed space under stairs, it's accessed by a door or access panel shall have walls understair surface and any soffits protected in the enclosed side with half inch gypsum board. Now to take that a step further, if you guys are doing um, phase inspections, there are certain fire blocking requirements at stairways in the soffits of stairs and other places. So you need to be very knowledgeable about that if you're doing uh, pre-drywall inspections. So what that means is you've got all that extra storage under there. You can't go cut a hole in it and start storing stuff in there. You just compromised, the, the owner just compromised the fire separation required underneath the stairway. So one of two, or there's a few things that could happen. Obviously you repair the gypsum retape and float and that you lose your storage area. You can have somebody come in and put sheetrock on all the walls and underside of the stairs, which is kind of a pain in the neck in that little area. Or you could put a fire rated door on that opening. But if you see an opening to a stairway, if you can see the wood structure under a stairway, it's a violation. Unless it's got a fire door on it. Same thing here. You can see the, uh, I don't know what happened to that picture. I don't remember doing that, but at any rate, you can see the underside of the stairs. So if you can see the underside of the stairs, if you can see the wood structure of the stairs, it's a violation. It needs to have a minimum half inch gypsum on it. Chimney fire blocking. And it says chimney fire blocking, but this will 
pertain to gas-fired fireplaces, the gas-fired appliances as well, which most of those come with a lot of the materials to do that. All spaces between chimneys and floors and ceilings through which chimneys pass shall be fire blocked with non-combustible material securely fastened in place. The fire blocking of spaces between chimneys and wood joist beams or headers shall be of self-supporting or be placed on strips of metal or metal lath across the spaces between combustibles material and the chimney. In other words, no free drafting, no gaps, no, no nothing. So these, annular, these spaces around here should have been filled. You have to put something around that, um, <clears throat> the exhaust. Um, it's typically gonna be just the metal. It looks like flashing, but it's fire blocking material. It's just flat 26 gauge metal that wraps around it. And you have to caulk it like the one on the right. You have to seal the joints. It does no good to put it around there and leave the gaps. Uh, the one on the left, then it'd be fun to correct because you've got all that insulation down there that's on top of the firebox. You've got insulation touching the exhaust flue on both of them. So the insulation needs to be cleared back to provide proper clearances. And also you need fire blocking on the one on the left. The one on the right, the fire blocking looks pretty decent, but clearances are likely not met. There's an Internachi photo. Um, and you can see they just ran two by fours right up to the next, next to it. Two by four is considered fire blocking material in a lot of circumstances. It's permitted. It's listed in 30, the beginning of 302. Um, so the one on the right, they could have done the same thing. They could have come in with some, some framework put two by fours up against it. They can go in and put gypsum board up there. They can put metal up there. Uh, certain thicknesses and grades of plywood. There's all kinds of different things you could do it, but the main thing is draft style. So you don't want free passage of a fire going straight up into that and get the chimney effect. This one, they almost got there. But with that gap in there, it does no good. They really didn't, they, they spent all that time and work and uh, cut the OSB with a hammer and put the metal ring around and then left that big gap. So it's really not doing anything. Uh, you still have free passage there. Fire blocking shall be provided to cut off all concealed draft opening to form effective barriers between stories and between the top story and the roof space and all spaces between chimneys. And floors and ceilings through which they pass. So in other words, every time you through, if it's a three-story building, you go through that first floor, the second floor, and then to the, through the attic, you have to have fire blocking at each one of those. So if anybody took the pre-drywall class earlier today, where Stephen was talking about having draft stop and fire blocking at each floor, this would be a perfect example of where that would be required. Each floor has to have fire blocking and then where it passes through the top floor to the attic. <clears throat> and uh, so sometimes you can't get to it. So you may want to say there was no safe access to the attic space at the time at the fireplace chimney and we were not able to evaluate the fire blocking. 
What I do in that instance, I take a picture of it, of what I can see. So I may be standing on a platform next to the furnace or water heater, and that fireplace exhaust might be 20 feet away. I take a picture of it. This is what I could see. I, I'm, I'm not stepping over there. It's not safe. I didn't inspect it, disclaim it. The other thing I disclaim, there wasn't really a picture of it, but let's say the one on the right had insulation all over it. Then I'm gonna note that it was not visible. I could not determine if proper fire blocking was provided. Always, if you can't see that, disclaim it. Laundry chutes, is fire blocking required at laundry chutes? Not in residential. In commercial applications, there is a requirement for fire separation in laundry chutes, such as in a hotel or a lot of these um, <clears throat> big corporations may have a laundry service, then they are required to have mechanical dampers. In residential, there is no requirement for a laundry chute. Now, if you wanna make mention of, it could be a hazard to children, by all means do it, but there are no requirements in the IRC for residential laundry chutes. Derek, we have a couple questions, if sure. I may interrupt you. Go ahead. So one of them is, can insulation be used as a fire block or a draft block in small spaces? There is some insulation that can be used. I can't identify it, so I don't, I've never uh, wrote it up or, and I have never um, said that it was okay. Because I, 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 for one, can't identify it, but there are insulation materials that are approved for draft stop. Okay, the other one is we have someone here. I was just in the HVAC class and the instructor indicated that the ceiling above the upflow AC must be enclosed uh, and they want your opinion on that. So I'm assuming that they are talking about a, an HVAC unit installed in a closet. Um, it does not have to be enclosed. Now that door needs to have weather stripping on it. Uh, and here's why it doesn't have to be enclosed. You can leave it wide open so you can get your combustion air and your, or your, uh, or excuse me, and your, um, the air for the exhaust, my mind is blank. <clears throat> you almost stumped me, but no, it does not have to be. Um, your dilution air, sorry. You have to, ha so you either leave it wide open so you get dilution air and combustion air straight from the attic, or you put two pipes in there. I got a photo of it back here. You put two pipes in there where you draw your combustion air from the attic um, through those chambers. So like that right there, the, the now, obviously that's a garage, but that's what you would do. So you're going to have free passage from that uh, closet where your HVAC is to the attic either way, whether it's wide open or whether you've got air chambers. The door needs to have weather stripping on it for energy purposes, um, but you've got to draw combustion air from somewhere. But that that ceiling is not required to have any any type of fire separation requirement. 
Um, so <clears throat> I would uh, I would disagree with that unless unless I'm not understanding it. So I hope that answers that. Um, did you say you had another question? Yeah, um, on the fire blocking, shouldn't all the edges be sealed along with with around a chimney bent, I suppose? Yes, just like this one on the right, it needs to be sealed up just like that. You should see no air gaps. And also what I've seen, for instance, the one on the right, it'll be all sealed up right there, but you go two feet over and that's up on a raised platform and you look to the side of it and you can see down inside of that uh, chase. Well, they didn't do anything if they left the side of the chase open. You, it's it's got to be sealed up on all sides, at the attic floor, and uh, and up to the, the the entire chase has to be sealed. So, I hope that answers. That's, that. That's the way I was understanding it. That's all. Okay. All right. Multifamily dwellings. Is Rodney Sims in here? If you're in here, say yes on the chat, Rodney. I don't think he is. I just looked for him. All right. I should kick him in the knee next time I see him because he's always asking me about this. I'm just kidding. If y'all talk to him, tell him I love him. So um, multifamily dwellings. So the IRC does not talk about, I, I haven't found any way the word, anywhere the word condo. It may be in the IBC. But what we're going to talk about are two family dwellings and townhomes. In the real estate world, you'll see that the, the word townhome, condo, thrown around interchangeably. <clears throat> they, in that world, in the, I guess if you're selling real estate, it's not a big deal. But when it comes to fire separation, there is a difference. So we talked when the, at the very first of the presentation, we talked about a single family dwelling. That's a single house, freestanding, nothing attached to it. Then you've got multifamily dwellings, which would be townhomes or a two family dwelling. My computer's not doing, there we go. So we talked about a dwelling, it's a single unit, a two family dwelling, a duplex. Everybody's seen these, I'm sure. If you do, if you're around here, they have a ton of these in the woodlands. It's a home on the left, it's a home on the right, under one roof. That is a two family dwelling. It's designed for two families. Pretty cut, cut and dry, simple. <clears throat> All right, so we're gonna talk about two family dwellings for a little bit, and then we'll get into townhouse. Dwelling units and two family dwellings shall be separated from each other by wall and floor assemblies, having not less than one hour fire rate of resistance rating were tested in accordance with ASTM E119 or UL 263. Now, so in this photo, these are side by side. So there's no requirement for floor assemblies to have separation because the separation is between the two units and the separation is vertical. So it has to be one hour. 
you likely will not know the rating of that in finished construction. If you're doing pre-drywall, if you're going out there specifically for the builder or the client is having a house built and they want you to specifically look at the one hour fire separation or fire resistant rating, then you need to see what type of material is there and what the, the engineer is gonna tell you what to use. The biggest deal is when you go to a two family dwelling such as this and you go up in the attic, obviously if there's holes in the walls in the living area, they're likely gonna repair them. I mean, there are some people out there that live with holes in their walls, but that is your fire separation. And the structure, the studs, the seal, top seal, bottom seal, that's all in between. It's normally gonna be drywall on each side. It could be two uh, five eighths inch Typex on each side to get you one hour. But the engineer will, will determine. But what I'm getting at is when you get to a finished construction, you're not gonna know because in the livable area, it's gonna be textured and painted. When you get up in the attic, you'll be able to see one side. It might be painted. It should be taped and floated. You should, you typically won't see the wall structure in a two family dwelling, not the wall structure between the two units. You'll see one side of drywall. So that drywall has to go from the foundation to the underside of the roof. It should be one continuous wall. The only thing that you can really look for are openings in it. If there's a hole in it, a cable guy came up and knocked a hole in it so he could get from one side to the other, which I've seen, uh, then obviously note it. But otherwise, you're looking at one side. There are some inspectors that will disclaim, hey, I only got in one attic, I didn't get in the other side, so I don't know if the fire separation uh, has been compromised or not. Once again, that's your choice. Uh, if you wanna say you, you were only able to get into one side, which Typically, uh, these units are sold as one side here in the Houston area anyway, and you won't have access to the other side anyway. Um, so keep that in mind. If there's a hole in it, obviously it's compromised. If it's solid and it's taped and floated and you can't see any penetrations, then you're good. Um, and then on the flip side, say it was a downstairs unit and an upstairs unit. That's when you would have to have the fire separation at the floors, which once again, you're not gonna be able to see it because the ceiling is gonna have drywall, the floor is gonna be covered with whatever. So once again, if there's a hole in the ceiling, that compromises your fire separation. But like I said, I've said a few times, most people are not gonna live with holes in their ceilings or walls or anything else. I mean, there are people, but typically it's gonna be fixed. <clears throat> so once again, I, what I said earlier, fire resistance rated floor ceiling and wall assembly shall extend to and be tight against the exterior wall and wall assembly shall extend from the foundation to the underside of the roof sheathing. So all the way from foundation through the second story, through the attic floor, all the way up to the underside of the roof. And once again, if you add a sprinkler system to the, to the structure, the fire blocking fire separation requirements are cut in half. So it, instead of a one hour separation, 
it only has to be half hour. All right, so this is a two family dwelling and this is what we were talking about. The fire separation between the two units has to go from the floor all the way up. And that requirement is for two family and for townhouse. Either way, it has to be continuous separation from the floor to the underside of the roof. You've got these openings here, especially the one on the right. Big opening around that two by out there. Big opening here. His utility knife broke, so he just said, oh, it's good enough. So these openings compromise the separation. The one on the left is pretty good. It was, they taped and floated at the uh, roof. Well, it didn't stick to the OSB. That's, there's wax on there. <clears throat> A lot of times so it's it's likely not going to stick this one up the one on the left i would probably would not say anything the one on the right absolutely i would note something here's another one i think this is the same house just a different angle where they just kind of halfway cut around the structures the structural members <clears throat> So Trek reporting for purposes of your inspection report, if there are penetrations, gaps, openings, et cetera, in the wall, including within the attic space, then it should be noted that the fire separation was compromised. So that's kind of what I was saying earlier. If, if you can't see any gaps or openings, then you really, there's nothing to write up uh, unless you just want to take pictures of it and say it appeared to be in a serviceable condition at the time of inspection or something like that. But um, you, you can't see how thick it is. You can't determine if it's a one hour wall, two hour wall, whatever. Uh, here's one of the disclaimers I was talking about. Multifamily dwelling units should be separated by wall and floor assemblies having not less than one hour fire rated, one hour fire resistance rating. An intact gypsum wall covering was observed within the attic space. We were not able, however, to determine the material thickness or fire resistance rating without destructive inspection. This separation should not be compromised. So. Um, that's what uh, a lot of us put something like that into our reports, just saying, hey, I, I can't tell anything because it looks like it's in good shape. A townhouse. So a two family dwelling is two. A townhouse, simply put, is three units or more. Something like this. There's three. <clears throat> so the common wall shared by two townhouses shall be constructed without plumbing or mechanical equipment, ducts or vents in the cavity of the common wall. The wall shall be rated for fire exposure from both sides and shall extend to and be tight against exterior walls and the underside of the roof sheathing. So just like the two family dwelling, there can't be any openings, has to be from foundation to underside of roof. Once again, you put a sprinkler system in, the rating can be cut in half. With the fire sprinkler system, one hour. Without the sprinkler system, you have to have a two hour rated assembly. That's saying the exact same thing. On the top half, to the underside of the roof, deck or slab. 
Now, the difference is the way that that common wall is constructed is a little bit different. <clears throat> With a townhouse where you have three or more, you have the fire separation material. Hang on. Say this is your fire separation material, your gypsum. This is where I learned everything, by the way, Home Depot 123. So um, this is sandwiched in between the structure. You have a wall structure on this side and a wall structure on this side. Where with the townhouse, with the two family dwelling, you have your structure, your structural members in the middle, your wall, so to say, and you have gypsum on each side of the wall. This one, the gypsum is sandwiched in between the wood structure. So you got a wood wall here and a wood wall here. And here's the idea. This end one catches on fire and your fire separation is here. This wall burns up and it collapses. And this hopefully stays standing and doesn't pull this other one over. So that's your two biggest differences. So in a townhouse construction, you will see a lot of the structural members on that common wall. Typically the fire separation material will be a gypsum board. It's, an, it's a, a type X uh, gypsum. I've seen a bright blue, pink, and yellow. And they're typically putting a metal <clears throat> connector in between, kind of like an H clip, but it's continuous. Uh, similar to what they use on hardy siding sometime where they have butt joints and they put their little H connector in. Uh, they'll put those in there. Um, but that's the biggest difference between the two. You got a one hour on two family, two hour on a townhouse. And the townhouse has to be structurally separate in a sense. Uh, there are connections in the wall and the roof, obviously they're connected together, but there's provisions for that that we'll get to here in a few minutes. So in other words, here we got this structure. So if the, the one on the left end, say it caught fire and started to collapse, the idea is it wouldn't pull this other unit off or it wouldn't pull that wall down and, and fire directly into that. <clears throat> All right, parapets for townhouses. A townhouse is required to have a parapet wall. In other words, you have to have a wall that extends up 30 inches above the roof line, something like that. Or there are some exceptions. I'm not gonna read all this. If y'all wanna read it, there's the sections. You either have to have a parapet wall or the next roof assembly, the adjacent roof assembly has to be 30 inches above it, where the wall would provide fire separation between one roof and the other, if that makes sense. So a parapet wall, 30, 30 inches up, or the next, so you have a roof, one here and one 30 inches above, where this wall in between would provide the fire separation between them. Um, now, well, how do they get away with putting a continuous roof across straight across all of them like this. So this is a townhouse. They went straight across. There's no parapet wall there. So here's the way around that. You've got 
fire separation material here. This is, so if you either have the parapet wall or you have to come out with fire resistant material. This is called LP flame block. It came out a few years ago. It's got some type of magnesium in it that resists fire. It actually creates moisture. And uh, I've got a video at the end of this, I hope we get to that <clears throat> it, it won't hardly burn. Um, and then in the same picture here, you can see this is what I was talking about. Where is my cursor? There it is. So this is a two hour wall they've got in here. You see how you, you've got the structure of this unit and this is in between the structure of the adjacent unit and this unit. So this unit burns down and pulls this wall down. Hopefully that wall stays intact on the other unit and doesn't pull it over as well. So either a parapet wall up there, or if you want a flat roof like this, and you can see this is the LP flame block, this darker, they went on each side of it. And that creates, that's the exception where you don't have to have a parapet wall. You can use, there's different materials also. This just happens to be the one that I had pictures of. I was, I was actually driving through the woodlands <clears throat> and I saw this purple material and I thought, what in the world is that? So I actually turned around, went over there and went through this house and just took pictures of it uh, because this was actually a two family dwelling, but they put fire separation in as a, as a townhome for some reason. I don't know if the engineer did that specifically or didn't know what they were doing or what, but they over-engineered this uh, fire separation on this two-family dwelling. But at any rate, um, that's when you would need the fire separation in the roof. You can put this. I've seen gypsum board up here. Can you have something? Yeah, uh, we have two questions that are similar and just wanted to let you know that we have 10 minutes left. Uh, let me just ask this question quick. Um, do both sides of that drywall need to be taped and floated? I'm, I'm assuming on, whoops, um, I'm assuming was, on this photo. So on um, this it, photo, Yeah, that's when you were talking about the two, um, two family okay. houses. Okay, on, oh, on the two family dwelling, yes, they need to be taped and floated. On this one, they what I see them use is that metal strip, and you, you can't hardly see it there. Um, right here, there's a metal strip that it they fit into each other. It kind of it, it fits like this kind of on each side, so it creates a barrier there. Uh, so this is not required to be taped and floated. There's a, a channel that goes in there that creates um, a good tight fit, and this one had three three layers of one inch type x gypsum so i would hate to be the guy that had to move that and install it that stuff looked heavy so and it was continuous all the way from the foundation and it actually what they did they they ran it up through the roof and then came back and cut it off and then put the roof decking on so uh but this does not this i've not seen this taped and floated there may be a there can't be any gaps in it so if they don't use the metal, then they're going to have to use something to, to fill in the gaps. So, but all I've ever seen is the, the metal channels. So um, what was the other question, Kenya? Um, the other one is, do both sides of a two-family dwelling attic wall have to be covered with drywall? You might have already answered yes. that. But. Yes, a two-family dwelling, you'll have drywall on each side of that wall. With the townhome that I have pictured here, 
the drywall will be sandwiched between the two structures. So that's the difference. But yes, you have to have drywall on both sides of that uh, separation wall in a town in a two family dwelling. Okay, I'll let you continue because I know there's more to cover and we have I think I only I only have a video left. So is are there more questions? Uh, just one more. Uh, how much drywall accounts for a one hour separation in the attic? It will be well, there's different ones. Typically, if you have two layers of five, if you have five eighths type X on each side, you're going to have an hour. But you, the plan should say what is going to be required on there. So, and the only time that you're going to be calling it out, typically, if it's not meeting the requirements, is that uh, probably a pre drywall inspection? or if the client specifically calls you out for that, because it, at final construction, um, you're not gonna be able to see what's there unless, it's, unless there's holes in it and it's compromised. And it, that brings up a good point too. Older, con, older townhomes, he almost said condos. Older townhomes, back in the 70s and 80s, you'll, you'll climb up in the attic and you can see that the entire attic's wide open. There were no requirements for this back then. So I make a comment that there were no fire, there were no fire separations uh, provided in the attic between units. Uh, and it likely was not required at time of construction. So you may want to disclaim that as well. Cause uh, I mean, you'll go up there and you, you can go from one, one unit to the other, uh, just free passage. So it's something to consider to, um, to disclaim if you're inspecting a townhouse, an older one that is wide open in the attic. So um, this is a video of the, that, this stuff here, the flame block. Went to Conroe Fire Department's training center up on uh, 45, Mike Cothran and I did. So the one on the right is built out of OSB, strictly OSB, some two by fours for structural stability. The one on the left is two by fours and it's the flame block. Now the flame block does come in two different kinds. It comes in uh, double-sided and single-sided. So the single-sided obviously was great for that roof. Double-sided they're using in commercial. They're, they're not really targeting residential, but I threw it in here just so you would, in case you see it, you know what, uh, you know what you're looking at. But um, both of these fires were lit at the same exact time. There was, I think there were two pallets in there uh, one guy walked in this one, one guy walked in this one with the flamethrowers and lit them up. And it did not take long for the one on the right to go up in flames, literally. So uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. But you can see that one on the left, it's not hardly doing anything because that magnesium, it's magnesium something that they put on there. It, it, um, it disperses, it puts off water, it puts off moisture, so it just won't burn. So um, that is the end of my presentation. If there are any questions, I'll be glad to answer them. Or if you want to email me or text me. And I'll go over real quick, once again, just to hopefully, if there are any questions about it, table 
I'm going to go back to it and just talk about it for a minute. From residents and addicts. <clears throat> Sorry. So um, between the garage and attic, you have half inch. Between the garage and habitable space, you have half inch. And then from garage to habitable space above, you have five eighths inch type X. And then the walls have to be covered with half inch. So it, it, it's half inch everywhere except for the ceiling when there's habitable space above. So Kenya, did any questions come in? Uh, yeah, there is a couple, let's just go through them quick. Uh, for your classification, are, are you, oh, I'm sorry, oh, they keep moving. Are you calling condos, any multifamily except duplex, the same as a townhouse? I don't use the word condo. Um, a condo to me is one of those big industrial warehouses downtown where they put a bunch of apartments inside where there's not a not an attic space. It's more like an, uh, a hotel. So I don't use a con I don't use the word condo because I haven't seen the word condo in the IRC. I use the word townhouse and two family dwelling. <clears throat> Okay, and the other question, uh, when did the IRC require the fire separation in two family dwellings? I don't know. I know it goes all the way back to the 2000 IRC. Um, maybe if Dean Limbaugh is on here or Jim Heim, they have uh, Cabo back to 92. Maybe one of those guys will be so gracious to look it up and share it. If not, I'll, I'll reach out to one of them. 